one night i found myself at 3:30 uh, at night answering a client's mail okay and this client was taking a flight and going to turkey or somewhere we had sent a mail on something and i woke up at 3:30 at night and i was like oh i should check my phone because that light is so enticing i opened my phone and i started checking my mails and then i answered this client and the client replies back was he at the airport and he replies back saying what the hell are you doing at 3:30 answering an email and it was such a wake up call because i'm looking at that message and i'm like oh my god what am i doing and i do this almost every day you know i get up in the middle of the night i start looking at mails i start uh, thinking about job lists i'm like you know what am i going to do tomorrow i used to come back home at some weird hours like nothing before 10:30 every night and literally eat cold food so i had a dog so we used to make this amazing concoction for him just chicken and some boiled vegetables and stuff like that you know i used to eat his food i used to heat that chicken stew and cold rice and i just eat that okay and then i get up in the night check mails do all these things and get up in the morning and run to work and when this guy told me what are you doing at 3:30 at night i'm like really what am i doing like i'm going to die like this some of the most interesting conversations happen over a cup of coffee and there are many people doing really interesting and cool things with their lives you can't have coffee with all of them but you might just be able to interview some of them that's why i started this podcast to have conversations with people i find interesting i'm your host pawan and welcome to coffee by 2 a place where interesting conversations happen over a podcast Sharmishta Mukherjee is an advertising professional who turned author after being diagnosed with cancer. Her debut book, Cancer: You Picked the Wrong Girl, recounts her battle with the dreaded C word. In this episode, she speaks about how she got started in her career, what she learned from working too much, what the Indian healthcare system taught her about privilege, and finally about her book itself. Welcome to the show, Sharmishta. Thanks Pawan so happy to be on Coffee by 2 and thank you for having me here Thanks Sharmishta I I I have to tell you this the last cancer related book I read was it's not about the bike in 2003 or 4 of course and then I threw the book because you know like Lance Armstrong was a huge letdown in many ways Yours was the next book I read and honestly it was something which was far more relatable having family members who who had cancer and stuff I just want to turn the clock a little bit so just tell us a bit about your childhood and how was sort of influence the choices you made in your life in it Basically my father was in the air force and so I grew up in all these really tiny places that was a fighter pilot so we lived in all these really small places all over the country we moved every two years Uh, I moved schools all this time. I studied in uh, Kendra Vidyalaya all the way up till class twelve, and it was such a it was a lovely sort of sheltered life in a way. But it also exposed you to a lot of things. It exposed you to different parts of the country, different kinds of people that you studied with. You know, I learned to make friends and then sort of leave those friends and go to another school and make friends all over again. You know, so I think one big thing that, and I'm just, you know, it's it's such a lovely question. And as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking about it. I think one big thing that that sort of prepared me for was 
that you can always make a fresh start and that's something that you learned every two years like a new house new everything you know a new circle of friends a new school new teachers everything and and i think that kind of stayed with me uh, you don't have to cling on to a lot of stuff i mean you should love what you have at the moment but even if tomorrow you have to leave all that and go somewhere else uh, you'll probably survive that kind of was a very big thing and then when i grew up i moved cities uh, in spite of thinking that i'll never move a city and i will only live in one city i kind of you know moved i started working in calcutta and then i got married there and then we moved to delhi and then we moved to bombay i kind of picked up that restless gene from somewhere but i also learned to value uh, what i have you know because uh, you know to be able to kind of move and stay and go to different places and start all over again you also need certain things that center you always right i think i kind of learned to value that but uh, bombay has been home for the last 20 years so i'm really happy i feel like finally i've grown roots you chose advertising as a career like not a choice with someone would call it traditional more so being a woman i'm sure you you ask many questions as to advertising it's got its own reputation so just tell us a little bit about your journey from working in the big agencies and then you started your own from rickshaw to flying cursor so let's just start off with the early years of, of your career i didn't make any conscious choice to join advertising i basically was studying in calcutta and I was very happy living in the moment. See, I had no exposure back then to all the different kinds of careers. First of all, you didn't have so many careers back then. But because we lived in smaller places, we didn't even ha- I mean, for us hotel management was the biggest thing. We were like, "Oh, wow," you know. So, I didn't have that kind of exposure to what all you can do. I was still studying in college and a friend of mine said that he he was very interested in advertising. He used to read all these magazines there was a very popular magazine called A&M and he used to read them and you know I used to hang out a lot at his house and so I used to also read them and then one day he told me I'm going to this agency to give a copy test we were going somewhere and he said you know just give me 10 minutes I'll just go and pick up the copy test I was like sure so I went with him and they said hey we can't uh, we can't give you the copy test to take home you have to do it sitting here it's a 3 hour long copy test So I was like, oh, guess what? I don't have anything to do either. So why don't I also give the copy test? So uh, that's how I basically gave the copy test, and my friend didn't get through, but I did. Yeah, which is good for him, I think. He went on to have really. He has a very illustrious career right now, and that was it. I didn't know anything about advertising. I was asking them like, okay, gave this test, but what will I do now? What am I supposed to do? Which department? What are the departments? I knew nothing. and i joined what was then called hta which is jwd which is now i think wonderman thompson so i joined them in calcutta and it's a great place i was the youngest person i think in my agency i was about 19 and they were wonderful to me and i just learned on the job and i loved it and i was just like i now reflect and i think that i'm really lucky to have you know by chance found something which <laughs> you know otherwise i probably wouldn't have that was the only thing i knew after a while and i just stayed with it and i loved it every day and you know i think somewhere it was like my life my previous life it was like every day you made a fresh start you had a new brand you didn't know what the brand was going to be who you were going to talk to so every day was different and that's why probably why i loved it and so then i moved from calcutta to delhi and i worked with like no and leobernet and all these companies in delhi and then i moved to bombay and then again i worked with sachi and leobernet and then um, In 2009, I decided that okay, maybe 
I really didn't think of it as entrepreneur and all that. Anyway, I hear the word entrepreneur, I get really scared. I never thought of myself like that. I just felt like I wanted to do something of my own, and I was never like, oh, I want to become a money adani or anything like that. Like a big. I was just like, you know, I wanted to good work, be happy, get some time to myself, have good clients, that kind of thing. And so I set up rickshaw with my design partner. and it was a great trip i mean i honestly never had major plans for it but it just started doing really well we started hiring a lot of people it was so much fun we were a small office but like so bonded and you know always trying to do good stuff together it was really nice and i think i just enjoyed dumping all the politics of advertising out of the way and dumping the fact that no longer did i have to sit in these long meetings which would not go anywhere so that, that was brilliant and then i started getting very interested in digital because um, social digital all that was just picking up especially with social you know and all the platforms and instagram and all these platforms coming up and so i got very interested and i had a friend who had an agency called flying cursor and he was looking for a partner and so then i just decided to move and learn something new again so i moved out of rickshaw and i went to something which i knew nothing about but i think it was a great decision for me i think the biggest thing is that i want to keep learning you know and keep growing i feel like if i just do the same thing that i did all my life what is my growth then so what is the difference between say rickshaw and flankers it was rickshaw more mainstream and flankers was more digital was that the change correct yeah so riksha was a uh, was a boutique uh, mainline agency and flanker so is a out and out digital agency so that was the change i knew nothing about digital amazing part having worked in advertising most of my life as well health is not something you really think about there's no concept of timings you have the late night parties correct but in your book you touch upon the fact that at some point you had started to take your health seriously and then of course cancer struck but what was the tipping point for you to start taking your health seriously one night i found myself at uh, 3:30 at night answering a client's mail okay and this client was taking a flight and going to turkey or somewhere we had sent a mail on something and i woke up at 3:30 at night and i was like oh i should check my phone because that light is so enticing i opened my phone and i started checking my mails and then i answered this client and the client replies back was he at the airport and he replies back saying what the hell are you doing at 3:30 answering an email and it was such a wake up call like <laughs> looking at that message and i'm like oh my god what am i doing and i do this almost every day you know i get up in the middle of the night i start looking at mails i start uh, thinking about job lists i'm like you know what am i going to do tomorrow i used to come back home at some weird hours like nothing before 10:30 every night i literally eat cold food so i had a dog so we used to make this amazing concoction for him just chicken and some boiled vegetables and stuff like that you know i used to eat his food i used to heat that chicken stew and cold rice and i just eat that okay and then i get up in the night check mails do all these things and get up in the morning and run to work and when this guy told me what are you doing at 3:30 at night i'm like really what am i doing like i'm going to die like this and i think that really was thank god he sent me that mail and that really was the tipping point and i was like i need to start fixing this so i started trying to work a little less which is not possible at that point and then i started thinking that maybe i should take a couple of days off or at least i should take a sunday off 
take that seriously not answer mails at night did all this but yeah i was on that path but it, it was probably too late right. no but actually i mean like as a creative person i can totally understand what you're saying it's so hard to turn the faucet off you're always thinking but i have to tell you something that i think you will appreciate because uh, you know you're in advertising actually i think everyone will appreciate so one of the things that i kind of said was you know after i recovered and all i was like okay i had a talk with everybody in my office and i was like listen one big thing that we have to change is that if you are going to resign that's fine okay everybody puts in a resignation everybody moves on but resignations cannot come at night you have to send your resignation in the morning it is not some because i realized what a trigger that was you know like if i send somebody a resignation in the middle of the night and that person sees it they're finished right because now they think oh this person leaving oh how am i going to manage oh what next oh when are they going what is it so i sometimes think it's the small things that if we can change we'd make our lives so much easier in advertising so how is your life now in the sense do you still work crazy hours do you have you managed to get your two days off now i don't work crazy hours yeah <laughs> i um i work hard uh, but i cut off if it's going into this whole spiral of i'm like doing crazy stuff i don't do that. i just don't do that i say no more often i thought i think people are are okay with you saying no but i never could say it you know today there's a client who wanted to meet me and today is a holiday it's eid so first i was like why do you want to meet it's a holiday but she was like hey let's meet and i was like okay fine let's meet but then i woke up this morning and because of the booster i was not feeling so good so i wrote to her saying hey let's just meet tomorrow and she said okay i would never have done that you know i would have been like oh i'll kill myself but i will go now let's just shift streams a little to your book and the first thing that that caught my eye was the title it sounds like something that belongs next to the monk who sold his ferrari but the book is not self help at all just want to start off with how do you pick that title so actually i uh, first had a very different title in mind i had a title like the title was i asked for a pedicure and i got cancer or something like that but my publisher and my editor were like listen you need a title that a going to give people hope you know because anyway everybody's quite terrified to pick up a cancer book right so they should pick this book up knowing that you know you survived it <laughs> that was one and two we were very clear we wanted cancer in the title because i wanted them to know even though by the way a lot of people thought it was a book on the zodiac sign cancer so abhi wanted the word cancer in the title and so then uh, this was i think the first title that came up and that was it it was just like okay this is fine and i know what you're saying like a lot of people uh, look at the title and think like oh it's going to be like this really aggressive sort of a book and the book is not like that but it was really to kind of uh, it was really to kind of give them hope and not sort of unsettle them because already everyone is so unsettled about the whole idea of cancer. the first thing that came to mind when you told me the uh, the actual title was one of those old like long body copy ads which which you see in the copy book right so that's a headline and and it gets your attention and then you write about you know something Yeah, my publisher was just like, "Shut up, no." <laughs> like in the book, you also speak about hard stuff, right? Because I mean, firstly, it's cancer, but you also talk about stuff like reconstruction surgery. Not easy to go through it. Leave alone. Write about it because these are not things that we would either read or even hear from people, right? Say, uh, say someone has gone through cancer, they want lecture in detail out all this because it's, it's something which is quite private. Some people have like matter of shame and. to speak about it how was it writing about those bits for you because those was it therapeutic for you in some way oh yeah i think the whole book was therapeutic in a way uh, i i always feel like i wrote it for myself actually 
uh, in a way i when i started writing it i just i just felt like it was so good to be able to release everything you know so that was definitely therapeutic but also i felt like i did not want to hold on to any kind of shame at all right you know i was quite clear that nothing about my body or about what happened to me was shameful you know so i felt like if i hide stuff then you know there's something there's taboo associated with it so i was like i will not hide it it was very conscious to do that it was a bit difficult to write about you know my deconstruction about my breast so freely because there were times when i was like oh my god what if my clients are reading this and going for meetings and they're all going to know everything about me but then it is the call i took when i started writing the book saying that you know how can i write this book with bits of information either i put everything in you know like everything or i don't cannot be a halfway when you're talking about what i went through yeah but once i took that call i was just like okay every time other things would come in my head like oh my god this is too much stuff about me everybody's been my whole life is up for consumption but then i would just throw that aside but i had a friend who wrote to me and he he wrote uh, i remember he read my book and then he put up a post and he also told me that it's so strange to read about somebody you know and you know to read about the fact that they're talking about their breast and reconstruction and everything else but he said as i kept reading it i figured that i could get past it yeah just wanted to know the first few days after you were cancer free there's a lot of motivational stuff that you read about cancer sometimes i don't know how much of it is actually true and it's made up you know i'm so happy i got cancer it gave me perspective on life i'm a new person and all. it it sounds it sounds fine and i i guess i i know where they're coming from but honestly what was it like for you you came close to death i can say what was it like for you when okay you were cancer free oh my god i was like you know i felt sick the first day after my chemo's got over so the chemo's getting over were a big marker for me and then i knew i'd have radiation but it was such a big marker that okay this part is over and uh, the day i had my last chemo i think the next day i just went i was just like oh i can I've, my my chemo's are done so my friend came and she took me to a cafe and for for 9 months or for whatever months i i could not really go anywhere without a mask you know because i was scared to catch an infection so and i could not eat outside food i mean there are just so many things that you take for granted i know it sounds really stupid like you know like what is this going to cafe and taking an auto but it is important it's like you know you you are leading this life which nobody else is leading you're seeing everybody else living their life and you're like oh you know my life is like you know like just <laughs> this very restricted life so first was that that i could go out and i remember i drank a cold coffee or something i was so excited <laughs> like i was like oh i'm drinking a cold coffee and everything like i mean the first auto ride i went on the first time i went to office after i my chemo's and my radiation got over i was like oh this is the office bathroom take a picture oh this is the office this thing take a picture i was just like i felt like i'm getting a chance to live my life all over again and start all over again so it was incredible but also what was um, while that was happening i think also towards the end when my treatment was getting over i was just full of fear and doubt i was just like how do they know that this has worked how do they know that it's not going to come back how do i know that why are they not doing another pet scan so on one hand there was this 
just this incredible amount of happiness at the fact that I could now it was like you know being born again literally and on the other hand there was this horrible fear and doubt and you know all that also holding me back and took time to kind of work through that how many years have you been cancer free now so they don't say cancer free they say no evidence of disease so i have that's a medical term that's a medical term and you're like why are you not saying cancer free <laughs> you know but uh, they don't say so i think that that also scares the hell out of you but uh, 2018 december was when i finished everything and they were like you are free to live your life what are the biggest changes so i want to keep the question open ended because it might become too open ended two things which have changed for you quite drastically before cancer after cancer i think one is you know i always had many things that i was interested in apart from advertising i've never been one of those people who can only read advertising books and only hang out with i will bore me to death right but i never had the time to explore my other interests and my hobbies i think the thing that changed after cancer was that i actively started pursuing my other interests and hobbies and i said that these will be as important as my work so that is something that i'm very happy that i managed to achieve that you know and it's really helped me and taken me to such a good place that i feel really happy that i've done that so that's one big change i think the other change is something that i mentioned you know in our conversation is that i have learned that i'm a people pleaser basically okay and to please people i will say yes to everything even if i can't do it i will say yes and then i'll be like why did i say yes oh my god i'm such an idiot okay now how do i get out of this da 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 now i realize okay i will probably say yes but i try and stop myself and say okay are you really going to be able to do this say this you know and uh, second is i say no Uh, if i really feel like it's not possible for me to do it i now tell the person hey it's not possible can you help can something be done most times i find people are really nice and they are accommodating and they'll help but earlier i just just took that whole thing on me because i could never say no so i think these are the two things one of the things like all of us keep an arms length from like, unless you're a doctor is hospitals and healthcare none of us like to go to the doctor or then you get cancer which means you're spending months on end hold up in rooms this also opens your eyes to the aspects of healthcare right i remember one part of your book where you read about 40 patients sharing one bath and you also wrote about i think at the start of your treatment you you change hospitals right what aspects of the healthcare system really sort of i won't say jarring but what did you realize about the healthcare system i realized that um, you know some of us are so privileged that we can afford quality healthcare but most of this country can't and since then you know i've watched so many people and when they talk to me i think i have more empathy now because i understand if you're not educated you know and if you don't have the money you are it's so it's so hard for you as far as healthcare in this country is concerned you know nobody will take the time out to explain things to you you don't have google to rely on you don't have doctors who will realize oh you're well dressed well spoken so you know maybe i'll spend 5 minutes extra reports will not be explained to you half the time they'll not even be given to you you'll be made to wait for ages so i realized that in our country that is i mean i it just broke my heart into pieces and you know i try and help like people who like so for example 
people who work at my house or you know we have a gardener here i try to help them because i realize with that experience how hard healthcare is for them to negotiate so that is something i think it's a reality check for us <clears throat> as to how privileged we are and i think i wrote about it in the book as well i feel that every sort of mba student and every you know big consulting corporate and everywhere else it should be mandatory for all employees and students to have to spend one week in a public hospital for you to understand and to have that kind of empathy and understand that you are not here to just build your own career and your own money and what most of this country really goes through and needs uh, so yeah that to me was a massive eye opener it was uh, it was and i changed hospitals and i at that point i felt very like how do i put this i felt like a traitor almost you know that oh i have the means so i can move a hospital mm-hmm. but yeah but i also told myself so all proceeds from the sale of my book are going to go to tata memorial nice because that's the only way i can sort of give back you know uh, to everything i saw but yeah so many things like in tata memorial i mean poor things i look at the doctors and they are so stretched and so overworked you can't blame them all the healthcare workers it's insanity you know we don't have enough hospitals we don't have enough good medical care and i and you know things like when you go in for a mri and i remember i had to take off my t-shirt and my bra and you know lie on this mri machine and i kept thinking that what if i was a woman you know from a village who had never had to take off her clothes in front of so many people and men you know then what look at the trauma right at the start of a treatment i think healthcare is one thing that i feel oh, we are super privileged to have medical insurance is other I guess like in a country like ours, there is so much inequality. One is like, say you had cancer, so you got an inside view into the medical system. So you've spent your whole life doing work for clients, right? You've written commercials, you've helped build their brands. So this question has two parts. One is, how was it to actually pen down your story, and what was the reaction of your parents and your husband when they read the book for the first time? I think uh, I was the best client <laughs> because I was just like I you know I for once I didn't have a TG in mind or anything I was just writing my story you know I I honestly didn't think about like oh who is going to read this book what genre is it going to fall into no once I committed to writing the book I was just like oh this book has to be written right and my story has to be told and that was it so I was awesome to be my own client really and uh, I think my husband read the book after it was written when it was all fully done and I think it had just been sent out for printing and uh, I sent him a thing and I was like here you know read the book now and he read the book and I wasn't in town I remember but he messaged me saying that I finished it in like one day and one night and uh, i think it was emotionally hard for him read my book because again it was like just reliving a lot of stuff so yeah i think it was very hard my father has not read my book and is not going to read my book because my father will just uh, cry for a year i think if he reads that book so it, it's been it's very hard for him to to even like you know talk about it so i realized okay it's better that you don't you know uh, uh, and you do it at your own time there's no everybody doesn't take the same amount of time my mother read the book 
I was very surprised. She's lot more courageous. I think she read the book and uh, she loved the book. And she's a very big advocate of the books. It's very sweet. Like everywhere she goes, she'll be like, "My daughter wrote a book about her experience." <laughs> That's very cute. I find it very funny. I'm like, "Oh no!" But my mother also, I think, found it hard to read it, but uh, she managed to finish it. What next for Sharmista? Are there any more books in the offing? Any more career changes on the horizon? I think yeah, I think there'll definitely be changes. I've come to accept that my path is one of change. But uh, have I planned anything like that? No, I don't. I'm a very bad planner. I will go with the flow, and I think that'll be the best thing to do. And is there another book in the horizon? There definitely is. So it's really strange. I always thought I would write non-fiction. I mean, I would write fiction, and I ended up writing my own story. Uh, which is non-fiction. So I felt like, oh, that's amazing that you know I had plans for myself, but then it kind of changed. So I think there might be another book, another non-fiction book, not my story, of course, but uh, something that I am very passionate about and I love, uh, which is history. So yeah, that's it. So this podcast is it's called Coffee by Two. Are you a tea or a coffee person or something else? I used to love coffee. Oh my god! Then I started feeling sick because I think I just drank too much coffee. Uh, then I stopped coffee and I became a tea person, and I also only Earl Grey tea. And now, since the last one month, I have ventured into the world of cold brews, and I'm loving them. So yeah, so never say never. I thought I'll never drink coffee ever again, but now seems like my body is accepting it. Thank you so much, Arvinda. One is sharing your story in a book. I think more people have to read it, and for the simple reason that it's also because there's not much awareness about this, right? So even even for women, they sort of tend to push things, you know. Especially if, you know, I'll, I'll I'll take care of it tomorrow. It's not I I have my family is there, and they put their health last. That's our Indian psyche, and when they realize that something is off, you know, and it's a little too late, it's it's tragic. So I think thanks. Firstly, for writing the book, and secondly, for coming on this podcast and sharing your story with us. So, thanks again. I want to say thank you to you because uh, I've been I've been thinking that you know it's such a big thing for men to talk about this, especially because it's breast cancer. But I also know that in a lot of cases, in a majority of cases, it's the men who are you know caregivers. Sometimes primary, sometimes secondary, as you know, whether husband or son or brother or partner or whatever it is and so it's so important for them to also be part of this conversation you know so really i was so happy when you invited me on this podcast you told me you read the book and yeah i just want to thank you for that
Sharmishta Mukherjee is an advertising professional who turned author after being diagnosed with cancer. Her debut book, Cancer, You Picked the Wrong Girl, recounts her battle with the dreaded C word. In this episode, she speaks about how she got started in her career, what she learned from working too much, what the Indian healthcare system taught her about privilege, and finally about her book itself. Welcome to the show, Sharmishta.